Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for stopping by today. I'm really glad you're here. i got a great show coming up for you. We're going to be talking to Michael Haynes. He is a B2B customer strategy specialist. His company is called Listen, Innovate, and Grow. Now, the reason I, I think you're going to really enjoy this show, because frankly, I have had conversations with Michael, and frankly, it's like talking to myself. We have a lot of the same beliefs when it comes to understanding the market and your customers and prospects and competition and using that information to help drive your strategies, looking at innovation. And really, we're going to kind of track along with his name of his company and his book called Listen, Innovate and Grow as well, because really is about listening. Everything goes back to listening to the marketplace. If you listen to my show or you know me, know your customer is a huge mantra of mine. And it's so important that we really dig into the nuances of understanding that. And how do you do that? You do it by listening. Whatever those vehicles happen to be, whether it's you're having a one-on-one conversation or whether you're doing a quantitative study, you're going to an event, you're, you're across the table at a trade show, whatever it happens to be, listening to your customers in the marketplace is so important to help drive everything else you're doing. Even when we start talking about innovation and whether it's a new product innovation or innovating you know, from with partnerships or whether it's about innovating new strategies or new services or new markets, whatever it happens to be to help your business grow, which is ultimately what we want, right? It's about revenue growth. It's about achieving your goals and how we get there and mapping that out. So this is gonna be a fantastic conversation. I really hope you hang in there. You hope you listen to this because this is going to be great. And at the end, I'm going to tell you about a link to his book. Again, I think it's a fantastic book. And I'm going to encourage everybody to, to, to download it and take a listen to it or, or read it. And so stay with me here. But to kind of warm you up and get your things going, let me give you my commercial about strategic planning. Your strategic plans are essential to managing your business's growth. Spend the time to develop a cohesive roadmap to follow to ensure your entire team is moving in the right direction. These plans should take the insights and the brand strategy work you've already completed to help you achieve your long-term business and growth objectives, as well as keep you competitive. These are actionable plans and should include the details of achieving your growth, including tactical implementations, timelines, budgets, and KPIs for success. Developing your plan is a team sport. Make sure you include the stakeholders from each of your strategic departments in your organization because everybody in the company is impacted by the success or failure of your plans. The following are six key questions to ask yourself. Do you have a clear understanding about what you're trying to achieve? Number two, what does your brand stand for in the eyes of your customers? Three, why do your customers buy from you? Four, what are your competitors doing? And five, what is your approach to sales? Where are your opportunities for revenue coming from? And number six, how can you differentiate yourself from your competition? Visit theponzigroup.com to learn more. As I mentioned, I'm with Michael Haynes, a B2B customer strategy specialist. His company's called Listen, Innovate, and Grow. Michael, welcome to the Business Growth Cafe. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I, I, 
You know, I, I know you reached out to me. You had heard another show by a, a friend of mine, uh, Rich Cacuzzo, on sales and, and the Kumbaya that we sing. We're going to learn guitar songs, you know, the Kumbaya whenever <laughs> we're together. Um, and so, you know, in talking to you, I, I, I loved your background. And I thought this would be a great uh, conversation. Yes, we're looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, so uh, what I'd like to do is start off. Why don't you tell the listeners who you are, you know, what you do, and all that good stuff. Uh, great, Angelo. So my name is Michael Haynes. I'm an uh, SME, or for those of you in the U.S., SMB, business growth consultant. So my focus and passion, Angelo, is all about helping uh, SMB uh, CEOs, business leaders, helping them to acquire and retain those business clients and grow their businesses. So really focusing on working with those SMBs that are focusing on how they can build and grow in that B2B space. Okay. Uh, also, I live in Sydney, Australia, uh, but as you can tell by my lack of Aussie accent, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. Uh, so I've been here in Sydney uh, down under for about 21 years and uh, work with clients across the globe, Australia, Canada, the US, Asia, Middle East. Okay, well, so that's me in a nutshell. That's great. So really a global reach. Now, I'm not going to make you say shrimp on the barbie. I'll save that for later. I'm going to see if you got any kind yeah, of Australian accent. Yeah, I don't accent. want to embarrass myself. And I think, yeah, I just want to give your uh, audience a good laugh. Um, I'm going to say Michael's definitely not a Nazi. So I'm not even going to try to attempt that. All right. All right. So, um, so looking at and thinking about your business, growing your business, right? Because we are business owners, even though we're consultants to businesses. Yeah. What keeps you up at night uh, when you think about growing your business? Uh, great question, Angelo. What keeps me up at night is really keeping on the pulse of what it is that those SMB, SME CEOs need, uh, how I can best serve them in terms of helping them to build and grow their business. Um, over the past year, as I'm sure you've seen, Angelo, there's been a lot of generic um out there and you know webinars and white papers on all of those things and from talking to a lot of um, small and medium business leaders I've been finding that those approaches of you know creating the general those funnels with all the you know that bombarding of content is really not working so it's really been really trying to get a handle on what is it that those uh, small business leaders really need right now and how to really help them to navigate and move forward because a lot of them really I think uh, in fact are being bombarded and somewhat confused by the amount of content that they've been inundated with over the past 12 plus months you know that that's a really interesting point because I, I think I probably I, I'm not exaggerating at least 15 emails today about some kind of content joining a webinar for content learning how to write content for the top of the funnel the middle of the funnel the lower funnel whatever it happens to be and 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 i don't know about you but i literally could spend every waking moment doing nothing but reading emails and downloading ebooks and reading now yeah. i have to admit i'm a little bit of an ebook e e junkie if i see statistics and stuff because of my research background i download these things but i literally yeah. download them i file them and then i print them because i like i like to touch it but I have a yes. stack of at least 12 inches high on my floor that I've never even looked at. And eventually <laughs> I'll just throw them all away because there'll be new content to chase. So that's a that's an interesting point, too, because so many marketers talk about content and the importance of content. And I don't disagree that it's important, but I think we've overwhelmed our clients with that idea that that is that's what drives that kind of relationship, if you will. What's your thoughts? 
Um, I 100% agree, Angela, because what really business leaders need right now is they need some sense making and navigation. Help me make sense of what's going on uh, because I'm getting all, I'm doing all of this self-research myself, and then I have every product and service provider inundating me with their lead magnets and all of their content, and all of it's coming from reliable sources. So what they really need help with is making sense of connecting the dots. What's relevant to me and what do I need to do to move forward? So it's really around that sense-making and road mapping. That's really what business leaders are looking for, which is something, Angelo, I discovered from interacting with business leaders. And then I think it was the likes of Gartner last year, uh, late last year, put out a report to be saying what B2B buyers are really looking for is that sense-making and navigation. So it's something I've seen through my own interactions, I guess, primary research, as you will. Um, but the big wigs at Gartner have done a global study around B2B buyers, and they're finding this is exactly what they need. So this whole man, making the funnel, dear lead magnets, and bamboozling with content is just not what um, particularly our SME business leaders are looking for. They want to know what to do, how to navigate um, to move forward. Yeah, I, I, you know, if they're overwhelmed, kind of being reciprocal and overwhelming their customers, you know, it just just paints a picture. If I don't have time to look at it or bother to read it, um, you know, why is my customer going to do that? And so that that really gets into a lot of digging into the market. And you know, you have a book out called "Listen, Grow, Listen, Innovate, Innovate and, grow, grow. and Grow," and so this becomes a lot about listening. And, and yeah. to me, as a as part of my background in market research, it, it's all about listening. It's all about identifying what's going on in the customer or the prospect's minds, what's going on with your competition and what's going on in the market in general. I, I remember I was giving a presentation uh, on a very similar topic. And on the drive there, the on the radio, I heard that interest rates went up. So as I got into my presentation, I said, and I, and I started looking at external factors that could influence, you know, your market and things. I said, how many of you people have lines of credit? And they all, you know, raise their hands. And I said, did you realize your cost of borrowing just got more expensive, which now has impacted so many other aspects of your business? And I could see some knew, some had no idea. And to me, that 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 gets back to working on your business versus working in your business all the time. And, and that on your business is about the listening part and understanding the dynamics of the market and the people. And I find that that is, frankly, one of my most frustrating, headbanging days or minutes, frankly, sometimes that companies just don't want to do that. They want to get right to the, the good stuff, right, the, the tactics. Uh, I 100% agree, Angela, and listening now is critical more than ever because we need to get that in-depth understanding for a number of reasons. Um, as you all know, you know, markets are, industries and markets now are crowded, they're highly complex. They are feeling somewhat overwhelmed. So it's really important, you can't know how to go forward depth and clarity of understanding of what's going on so you can determine how you're going to stand up, how you're going to win and, and acquire those uh, and retain those clients and customers that you're seeking. And interestingly enough, it's it impacting sales um, and the whole sales dynamic, which is really changed in B2B. And what they've also been finding is that in terms of sales leaders and people on sales teams, one of the critical skills that are most needed is all around that discovery and that listening, which is still not being done enough, even from a sales perspective, 
But again, it's that listening aspect, that depth of understanding that is so vital to your business business strategy, your growth and your sales. So it's absolutely vital, but it's still not given the attention that it deserves, even within our own discipline, Angelo, within marketing and those that purport to be strategic as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. What did you say? I wasn't listening. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But but that is I, I did a podcast uh, I don't know within the last month and it was called Active Listening. Are you listening? I think is what I titled it. But it really was about active listening and whether it was in your personal life or certainly in your business life. But beyond not only the communications that you're having with somebody in the office, but it's about having that relationship and communications with your customers. You know, my one of my very first assignments in in my career was to help build a new product. And I was an international product manager, and and they basically said, we've got this idea for a new new product. I want you to go out, and you're going to talk to I don't remember how many now, but these ten engineers, and you're going to bring them the idea and the concept, get feedback, and that's what I did. And then the next time I went out with here's some layouts, and here's some thinking, and here's some kind of materials we're thinking about using, and we got feedback. No, don't don't use that. It's very or what we do is very corrosive. It'll eat those pipes apart. And that went on for eight, nine months. And eventually one day it was, ta-da, here's the product. And and so that was all about listening. And it opened my eyes very early on versus saying, when I worked on a semiconductor manufacturing piece of equipment, a million dollars to buy one. And we were working on these strategies. And I remember we did all this research and all these planning. And so we're having a creative meeting. And the creative guy walks in and says, here's the solution. In my opinion, this is the solution. And I looked at him. I said, you didn't read anything we wrote. You didn't read any of the strategies. And since when, in your opinion and experience, did you buy a million-dollar piece of equipment? It, you know, So it, it gets back to how important it is. And, and I, I want to stay on this a little bit because I find that, and especially for you, and you're really dealing in multiple markets and, and different cultures and things that are going on and that really make listening even more what's all important, but even more so, especially if you're, if you're selling, you know, in different mar- you know, markets around the world. Yeah. L- listening is quite critical. And that lack of listening, Angelo, or spending enough time on that listening is something that is still, um, irrespective of the geographies that I'm where the clients residing, that still is a problem. And it is, it's, it's imperative that you have that depth of understanding on that three levels of listening to yourself as the, the leader of the company, understanding your markets, understanding your competitors, understanding your customers. But in B2B, you need it's not good enough to understand the customer in terms of the organization. You have to get to that buyer level. You need to know who are those individuals that make the decision, that influence the decision. Who are they? What are their priorities? How do they buy? What's important to them? It's important that you get quite granular and really have that understanding because then that gives you clarity and focus of every Thing that you need to be doing ultimately, which I really break down to uh, three things: what you deliver to your to your customers and your buyers, how you deliver, and how you promote and engage. And you, those are the three core things that are going to underpin your go-to-market strategy. But in order to have that um, precision, clarity, and get those results, you and answer those three questions, you have to be doing that that depth of listening, which takes it, t- it does take a bit of work, um, but it's worthwhile doing, and it will really impact and give you that focus that you need to succeed in today's very um, complex and competitive environment. So when my customer tells me, we know, we know our, we know our clients, we know our target audience. Mm. We, we have all their job descriptions, probably mm. not going to work, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
If you and it's also, about, it's also about making sure you share that information. So it's one thing to be listening, but you have to bring that information back into your business and share it across the organization. So sales needs to get aspect, uh, exposed to those learnings and insights. Your, your senior executive teams, HR, marketing, products. what they need to be doing. So it's about capturing it and sharing it across the organizations as well. Yeah, you know what, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, uh, we're like we're like twins. I mean, I, I swear it's like, you're speaking my language. Uh, hallelujah, that's all I gotta say. Because yeah. when I talk about marketing, I talk not only about external marketing, I talk about internal marketing and the yeah. importance of making sure everybody in your organization understands. I was just doing some survey work and some internal work with a, a client, and I wanted to talk to all their employees separately to understand. One of the questions I said is, describe your, your business, what you do to me. You just met me in an elevator. Talk to me. And so far, nobody's actually said the same thing. Mm. So I already know there's one issue to fix. And because I believe as you walk out the door, instead of saying, you know, I'm the, I'm a, I'm a CPA, I'm an accountant and I work for X, Y, Z. Well, that's, that's the kind of the function, but what's your business? What do you, what's the business do? How do you really position that and making sure that though everybody speaks in the same voice, same messaging, same strategy, because it really just reinforces versus got a hundred people with a hundred different comments. You're confusing the hell out of the market versus, you know, having one cohesive say. And I, I feel like I'm talking to you. I'm just preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but you're absolutely right. There needs to be that in, that internal alignment so everyone knows their role, what they need to be doing in terms of servicing customers. And employees can be your best advocates out in the marketplace to kind of get that word out to get that reach in a very authentic real way but if they aren't clear of their role what they do and their purpose the organization's purpose then they can't fulfill that role either which i believe is quite an important role that all employees have in terms of being advocates uh for their for their companies how how important and if you know if we're looking at customers the market competition how important in, in waiting I, I know i know the answer but i'm going to ask you well the waiting of competition and and I always hear mixed reactions. Of course, in general, when you talk to a company about doing the, the, the work up front, the due diligence to set all these foundational pieces that we're talking about, you know, trying to get them even to framework. But, you know, I don't have any competition. I know who they are. You know, I don't need to invest time and energy in that. We've got it all wired. I, I find that the, the people don't really take the time and, and understand the value they can get out of doing competitive analysis. Angelo, uh, you, you again, we're, we're talking from the same hymn book. Um, understanding your competitors is extremely valuable and it's extremely important. The thing, the important aspect though, is that in terms of understanding your competitors, you need to understand from a customer perspective and in B2B, I'm gonna be talking from a buyer's perspective. So what are the alternatives they're seeking uh, in terms of meeting their goals, objectives, and priorities? And Angelo, what I, find is particularly where this becomes a little bit problematic is when you're dealing with um, complex tech type technical um, uh, service providers like your engineers, tech folk, startups, who often want to talk everything from a methodology, technology point of view. Buyers, business buyers don't necessarily think that way. If they have an, an objective to achieve, self-service, doing things themselves, 
is an alternative. They may uh, go outsource into using a consultant. They may think of very manual processes. So these are all very uh, different alternatives. So you really need to understand your competitors, but making sure you have an understanding from your customers, from your buyer's point of view, what else and who else are you considering in meeting those objectives? Yeah, so that yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it, it is so many times it's we talk about, you know, why you versus them. And, and don't tell me price. Mm. Price price, price is a factor, I agree, but it's not the deciding factor. You have the best price in the world and a crappy service or not the right product or not the right solution, they're not gonna buy you because you're cheaper. And so really, I, I talk to clients about really digging down into a win-loss analysis, if you will. Why'd you win? Dig down deep and understand what can you do different, what did you do right, and how can we replicate that and you have to analyze it. Everything has to be analyzed. It's, it's about data, but it's in, in information and how you use it. You know, I, I think you would probably agree that most companies are sitting on a wealth of information that they don't even bother to mine and to dig into. Yes, I agree uh, wholeheartedly, 100%. There's often a lot of data internally in terms of actual data, insights and feedback that they can be getting from their sales teams, from their uh, frontline uh staff that are interacting, which can give you a lot of, of gold. And the win-loss analysis is, is an excellent way to really understand how to improve where you're winning. But again, Angelo, that's all comes back to a form of listening. It's about getting granular and, re and getting those deep listening insights to really uh, pull them all together to say, so what, what does this mean in terms of what's important to the customers and buyers and how to move forward? Okay. Are there any specific I'll say tools or strategies you, you use for listening? Um, for me, for listening, I use a variety of, of, I guess, tools, you could say, Angelo. One, I'm a big believer in actual having discussions, so meaningful discussions with your current customers where you can, past customers, prospects, ones that you don't have that you want to win. So getting a cross-section a cross -section view from that customer buyer perspective, um, using research, so, you know, um, you know, uh, secondary research, which you can get from the likes of your industry and professional associations. I tell a lot of my clients that's a great starting point to understand the market industries and customers because your industry association, they, they have their, you know, their publications, they're doing lots of research. Um, they have events, events, webinars, and things of what's going on in your industry is also a great way to listen as well. Um, podcasts such as such as this we're, uh, in your respective domain, you can get great insights and learning when you have hosts such as yourself interviewing experts. You can find out what's going on, what are the trends, what are some of the customer requirements. Um, LinkedIn, uh, social media can be quite good because often, you know, people are putting lots of content out there and there's a lot of good content out there that you can get an understanding of what's going on. LinkedIn's a great way to really learn to get some understanding around the buyers, you know, that you're going to be dealing with. What's their background? What do they seem to be focusing on? So, you know, your, your target is a CEO, but you see from their background, they have a strong finance background. Okay, heads up in terms of how you're going to have those meetings and discussions. You need to have that business, ca business case and though that ROI are ready for those discussions. So it's using, a, it's, listening is about using a raft of sources. I think talking to customers, prospects, non-customers, customers and non-customers, but then using other sources, research, uh, social listening, events, podcasts, it's, it's, it's pulling it all together because you really need to have that depth of understanding. And it's something, Angela, we need to be doing on a regular basis. It's not a one and done. Uh, it's not a project. It needs to be listening and regular listening has to be a way of, uh, of doing business. It's, it's part of the DNA of the operations of the business. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I actually have a, 
an ebook on my website for competitive intelligence, establishing a competitive intelligence program. And that's part of the conversation is, is you, you just can't collect the data and not do anything with it and just can't collect it once and assume mm -hmm. that it's all good. I, and so there, there is that reputation repetition. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to have some clients more on the consumer side than the B2B that have allowed us to do, you know, quarterly benchmarks and, mm -hmm. and, and the data that we learned and what we gathered and how we could see shifts in, in perception that we, the perceptions that we wanted to change. And in this case, it was a, a wine um, company and we were able to start tying in with their uh, back end and doing volumetrics and doing projections on future consumption. And we got pretty sophisticated with it. And, and that was great. And then, of course, you get other clients that are like, nah, we don't need to talk to anybody. We know what you know we want to do. And or I spend the money to go actually talk to our clients. Um, so I want to I'm going to take you through your book a little bit because I as we go. So we're going to move into innovation. Okay. And, and again, I, I you know, I'm sorry. I, ha I had to chuckle to myself when I was reading it going, did I write this? <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike, Angela. Oh my God! I, you know what? We, we are we are more in alignment than you can imagine. But so you know, there's that old saying, "Innovate or die." Maybe it's a new saying. I don't know. Or maybe we just made it up. But it's innovate or die. And and so when you think about innovation as part of a business strategy, I'll tell a quick story. I'm working for a financial company, and we decided we needed to innovate. We needed to create some new. It was a, a um, credit card processing. We needed to create some new. POS systems and kind of started putting our own product out there as opposed to just the, the rails for the credit card. And so we pulled a group of people together and it took off like gangbusters. And then it was like, well, you know, I'm too busy. I'm designing this or I'm doing this marketing project. And eventually when we get to a meeting, nobody was doing the work. So from your perspective and in, in, in what you write, is it about a group? Is it an independent group, which I would assume is the strongest? But how does somebody, a business, small to medium-sized business, piece together an innovation team? Uh, great question. Um, first thing I want to point out is that it's point of what I mean by innovation. Because by innovation, I'm talking about business innovation. And business innovation is not invention. Uh, I believe the actual formal definition of business innovation is about new introductions and or improvements that you can make within your business. So uh, within small, medium businesses, I very much encourage them to work cross-functionally in, in a team-based approach, um, but it's looking across your business. Uh, sure, it could be around product, uh, which is what people typically think about innovation, but it also could be across uh, your services. It could be around your processes. It could be around your organization. So doing a joint ventures, uh, partnering with other SMEs, other businesses, schools, colleges to achieve your objectives. It can be marketing innovation, introducing new strategies uh, and approaches to your marketing. So it's looking and it can be uh, minor changes or it could be new substantial improvements. So it's really about working in a cross-functional approach based on your understanding of what does your markets that you're going after, what do your customers need, what do your buyers need, what new introductions and changes do you need to make, how you need to innovate. So it might be minor or it could be significant changes, but every business needs to be business innovating in terms of responding, making those changes and or improvements to respond to the needs of the markets, customers, and B2B around those buyers that we're so I would assume you you would accomplish that by, quote unquote, listening 
to the customers <laughs> into yeah, the market. Absolutely. Listening tells you where to focus. It get, helps you give you that focus on what are some of the areas that we you might need to uh, innovate. So it might be around your marketing where you might need to be introducing some more uh advanced strategies such as advocacy marketing to better leveraging your existing client base who love you to promote and give you reach, working with micro-influencers, for example. Um, it could be around um, things like uh, process innovation, like co-creating, so creating new uh, products and services with your clients. I did have a client, a uh, market research technology company, who worked with a large retailer I hear uh, down in Australia to develop a new analytics and reporting system. And they work quite closely with that client to develop that solution. But that solution not only met the needs of that retailer, but allowed them to make minor modifications and then roll it out to other markets to drive the growth and expansion. So co-creation, which is a form of with your customers, which is a form of business innovation, is another means that you can do so. So um, it's really looking across and see what are the different um, levers. And they've done studies, Angelo, which say that high growth firms that get more than 20% growth year on year will business innovate in at least two areas in addition to products. So while everyone's focusing on how can I create new products and solutions, new packages, and that's great, but it's also doing other uh, things across your business around your marketing, uh, collaborating, you know, um, strategic partnerships, those kinds of things that really help to drive the growth. But again, it's all around based on listening. What does your market customers and buyers, what are they needing and how can you fill those gaps by making those changes and new introductions, which might be significant. They might be minor, but it's, yeah, it's continually innovating based on, yeah, what the market and customers need. Okay. So, so from that standpoint, then it's really not about necessarily a team of innovators as opposed to a collaborative team as opposed to a separate team. And I think part of what you're saying is looking at those growth strategies. And now we're going to talk about growth in a second, but that really drives that innovation. So whether you've got your, you know, current markets, current products, are you adding to that? Are you expanding, you know, diversifying your product line, adding new stuff or looking at new markets? I mean, that all becomes part of this innovation. And from the way we're describing it is to, and looking at how does that move the company forward? Exactly. Absolutely. And so it's really all about working cross-functionally because to truly be market and customer driven, you have to work in a cross-functional manner. All the elements of your uh, company are going to impact how you're going to move the dial and really deliver to the needs of those customers. And so it's about working cross-functionally. And yes, in some cases, you are going to set up teams um, to set up, you know, that new product solution. Um, you might set up a marketing team if you're going to collaborate, let's say, uh, working with one of your uh, other um another SME, for example, to create content um, so that you can put out into the marketplace. So you might create teams around some of the initiatives, but it's really going to be around looking across around across the organization based on customer needs, what needs to be done. Okay. What, what do you think in your experience have kind of been the most common mistakes that business leaders make when it comes to frankly, what we're talking about or just in um, general? In general, uh, I think one of the biggest uh, mistakes, and I'm going to be perhaps slamming our marketing colleagues, is some of the marketing tactics that business leaders undertake as part of trying to move the dial. Um, 
they're not strategic and not having done enough of that work to really drive growth. It's really the intersection of marketing sales and growth strategy slash innovation strategy. I find often with marketing, it's not strategic marketing. They're jumping onto tactics. So they're putting tactics and they, you know, I've spent lots of money on LinkedIn ads or Facebook ads or social media without understanding who they're targeting, what they really need and how's that going to move the dial. And then they get quite irate because, well, marketing is not they say marketing is not delivering, um, you know, we're not getting any return on this because there, there hasn't been enough strategic thinking, enough of that research, that analysis to be making sure they're making the spends in the right way. So I find marketing is a is a big area where um, it's it's not truly strategic. It's very tactical based on they've kind of heard what's the thing to do. You know, I should be on LinkedIn. Oh, I should be maybe using TikTok and jumping onto these tactics without really going back to say, who are your buyers? What do they really need? And how do they buy? Because it's all around ultimately enabling business buyers. Um, so that's one of the big things that I find is often um, a, a key area that's um, a problem for many uh, small, medium businesses. Yeah, well, frankly, that's a bane of my existence because that's <laughs> probably, probably something I deal with every day. It's, it's you know, Hey, you know, I want to do some uh, strategic work and yeah, I need a website. I need a digital campaign. And, you know, uh, we, we've been on YouTube and we need more videos. Why? You've got two, two, two views. Why would we put more videos up there? You know, let's, what's your market? How do they consume information? Back to, again, hate to say it, listening, understanding how your customers are consuming information. And then making sure you're there, you're there. You know, you I'm sure you've experienced this. You get a new client, you, you go on to all their social channels and, you know, they they have not blogged in six months. They they're on they're on Pinterest. And it's like, well, you're like selling a hundred thousand dollar piece of software. Why the hell are you on Pinterest? Right. Well, because well, just because they did it doesn't make it right. Just because your kid told you you needed to be on it doesn't make it right. It, and so it's that reactionary that, oh, I must be there because they talk about it all the time. And I always go through and say, unless you're going to invest your time and energy in really making the right channel work, not just any channel, get yes. rid of all this stuff and we'll yeah. rebuild it slowly to be more efficient. You don't have the content. You don't have the the, the wherewithal to, to be effective. And so as a potential customer, I go on your site, which still is carrying this, you know, the circa 2016, which means you, you haven't updated it. And I'm looking at a, your post and your blogs that are years old. I mean, what does that tell you about your organization? And it's not because you're so busy. I've gotten that actually before. I said, well, we were so busy. We weren't able to update any of this. I said, yeah, but maybe yes, what you believe but the market doesn't believe that. It says you're in trouble. <laughs> So that's one. Um, one other area I'd raise is around sales because the approach to sales, um, selling and B, the nature of selling in B2B has definitely has changed by virtue of the fact that buyers are so knowledgeable. Um, the latest stats now say that buyers will spend about 80% of their time doing their own self research before they want to talk to any representative of the, of the company. There's still a mentality from a sales point of view that A, it's a numbers game, um, that you can show up and, you know, do the, um, you know, show up and throw up and do the pitch, even if they disguise it as a strategy session or discovery session, they just want to show up. And business buyers aren't about that. As I said earlier, they're really around that sense making navigation. It's about the way forward, what happens after the sale. So the whole nature of selling fundamentally has to change. It needs to be more strategic. It needs to be more consultative. And marketing and sales really have to work together. Mm -hmm. 
as one team now because it is about buyer enablement, giving buyers the right kinds of tools, insights, helping them with that navigation of helping them as to where they want to go, how they're going to get there. That requires the two to work hand in glove together. I would argue, as I've seen uh, a number of companies in the U.S. starting to develop the revenue operations model, bringing marketing and sales together. Excuse me. I think that's something that really needs to happen more and more. Um, it's easier with SMBs um, because they are smaller, but really having marketing and sales working together in collaboration, not just alignment, is really what needs to happen because sales is no longer about the pitch. However you want to disguise it, it is really much different now. It's consultative. Uh, it needs to be strategic. And you need marketing who does their strategic job of helping to facilitate some of that data and insight and enablement to make that happen. So that's the other area that is a real big issue as well. Mm -hmm. By the way, I love that that line of yours, show up and throw up. Uh, I might get T-shirts made on that. Um, <laughs> what do you see uh, in talking to your clients? I mean, we're, we're, we're literally only a month away, actually a month away from the end of Q2. Mm -hmm. And so what do they see in Q3 and Q4 and how to, how is Q2 going? And what are some of the, the changes that they're making back to everything we're talking about for listening and innovating and growing, which we are going to get to? Um, I, I'm seeing a bit of mixed reactions. Um, some are still kind of not sure and a little bit hesitant as to what they should be doing to move forward. The intention is there, but they haven't quite put some of the pieces in play. Others, uh, I am seeing they are trying to get more strategic, recognizing, okay, that need for listening because it, it, it drives everything around your growth and your sales. So I'm seeing a bit of a mix in terms of some are taking those right steps forward. Others are kind of hesitant. There are still some that are still waiting for things to go back to normal where we can you know, go back to, you know, face-to-face -face events. Um, and that's great, but you know whether you're having in-person or digital meetings, that's not going to solve your problems by nature of the complexity and of how business buyers buy and what they are expecting. Um, so, but it, it, it's a bit of a mixed bag of, of what I'm seeing right now in terms of where um, the different SMEs are at. Okay, you know when I think about growing and and looking at you know strategy, and of course strategy is is ingrained in everything that we're talking about. So back to growing. And the plans that are being in place, are you finding that your customers are, are, are thinking long term, three years out or, or really short term, 90 days, six months and kind of adjusting as they're going along? Um, I'm seeing more of the two to three year horizon. People are still looking for because things are starting to look a bit more positive and things are, are moving forward, are starting to move forward, that there is that forward-looking view, but I would say it's more of up to kind of a two to three-year horizon. Um, some of my clients are getting quite savvy that they are trying to operate though in 90-day sprints, as one of my clients called it, whereas they do like to do what I call the review and reset to see where are we at, where are we going, are we on track, what adjustments we have to make. Um, so that cadence of having to do that, um, that, that review and reset is starting to occur. But I would say it's just two to three year window that I'm seeing um, companies are still looking to, to move forward because um, they are seeing things as being positive. We've, they've gotten through the tough, hard yards of the last 12, 14 plus months. Um, so yeah, that's, mm. that's definitely what I'm seeing is that forward looking view. But up to that three years, not much more than that at this stage. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we're, we're, we're out about three years 
But the other factor that we're doing is 90 day sprints. So even though we have that, that three year plan, we're still looking every 90 and we're resetting and we're doing a lot more scenario planning than, yeah. than we ever have. Yes, and that's something, Angelo, I think everyone, um, all businesses need to be doing. And that's something that's quite new for SMEs in terms of um, those that do engage in strategic planning, because there's still a lot that don't. Uh, but for those that do, recognizing that you need to operate in those 90-day sprints and doing that scenario planning, looking at what are some of those what-if scenarios that may come, again, from understanding your markets and what's going on in some of the markets, the industries and markets that you're operating, what are some of those Resources, capabilities, um, those kinds of elements. Um, definitely, the scenario planning um, is something that's much needed, and a lot of SMEs are, are starting to just uh, become aware of the need to do that as part of their uh, strategic planning. Okay, so tell me some stories. Give me, give me a couple case studies of, of I'll call it some a success or two, but also tell me one that either you know of that you didn't work with, or one that you worked with that just didn't listen. I've had a few of those too. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so in terms of success stories, so I do a lot of work with service-based uh, um, organizations, so professional services, financial services. Uh, one of my success stories is an ongoing client I have uh, up in Ottawa called Palladium Insurance. I've been working with them for quite a while. Really great team. Um, the MD is um, always been quite strategic and quite savvy, and so I've been working with um, with them in terms of how they can re really become even more effective at getting that grassroots listening. And so they put a lot of things in place of having regular uh, meetings and interaction with some of their key clients and customers, and then really building that back into how they share that with across the account teams, uh, their product development teams, because they've developed some really niche um, insurance offerings. And so they have been really great to work with. And it's been really great to see how they've been able to expand and grow from a regional operator to a national operator um, by putting some uh, uh, aspects in place, some uh, listening mechanism where, whereby they have a, a listening program whereby they're, they're meeting, they've got various workshops and meetings with various customers uh, and they have those scheduled out and then they have these regular uh, monthly and quarterly meetings um, with the rest of the leadership team where they share those learnings and then they have a platform where all of this is actually housed and kept so that uh, members uh, of the team, of the respective teams can tap in and um, access and refer to those. So that's been a great uh, success story. Um, in terms of one that hasn't gone so well, um, I guess I'd go back to one of my first clients. I was a large HR uh, organization um, that was looking to expand around uh, the whole talent succession planning and how to work with organizations with their talent and succession planning. Um, where they fell off really was in terms of the execution, because they did, uh, they uh, worked with them to do a lot of listening, getting understanding of the market and what they needed to do in terms of uh, what was going to be needed to develop some effective uh, programs for the various kinds of companies that they were targeting. Um, where things fell off was really in the execution, because they really weren't making sure that they were getting down to that plan level and making sure that the various parts of the organization were executing and doing what they needed to do. So as a result, their results were not that great because not because of not doing enough listening and developing the strategy, but in terms of having the execution and making sure that 
you having that implementation and making sure you're working through those issues and having that regular cadence of having meetings, follow-ups, working through the issues. That's where things fell, fell apart. So in terms of implementation and executing, that's where things uh, didn't go quite so well. So, which is a lesson that you can do all the listening and strategy development, but it really is in that action planning execution and adjusting as issues come up, as there are changes within the organization externally that you're responding to it. Yeah, there's a, a stat, and I can't even tell you where it's from now because it was a few years old, but that I used in presentations. And it, but the quote went something like, "92% of executives say their their strategies fail because of poor implementation." And so, to your point, you can you can do it all right up front, and it, and the execution is just bad, or you get somebody that doesn't follow the plan, which which is something I run into when because I don't execute. You know, I, I'll manage the executions of the plans that I develop. But then, you know, if I'm not there every day or I'm overseeing it or watching it, typically when my oversight goes away, the person that's doing it starts tweaking and making changes, even though they are they're more tactical in nature. And next thing you know, they're off, they're off plan, they're off message. And then, you know, I get a phone call and says, well, you know, it's just not working as effective as when you first did it. Why? Because it's not what I do, not what I gave you anymore. It's something completely different. Do you get involved in a lot of execution on the stuff that you work on? Uh, yes, Angel. I'm very big on the whole action planning. So implementation of support is a big component of what I do working with clients. So working with them. So we'll develop the strategy, but then every strategy I like to turn into an action or battle plan. And so we'll specify from the strategy, what are the first two or three key um, uh, initiatives we're going to work on? Let's say uh, developing the marketing strategy and developing some new um, uh, professional service solutions, for example. And then we'll go into detail to map out what are all the steps that are going to be involved? Who needs to be involved in those uh, initiatives? And I will often oversee and uh, making sure those initial kickoff meetings happen. And often I will participate in some of those initial kickoff meetings to help them get them on their way. And then making sure that they have uh, regular um processes in place in terms of when are going to be the monthly check-ins, quarterly check-ins, and making sure all of those um, necessary project management, action plan, cadence are set up. Uh, because I find that's really where the rubber really hits the road, and that's where you get a lot of momentum, and then that's where things start propping up. So I spend a lot of time with the whole action planning, uh, making sure, and checking in regularly with the senior management teams on how that's going, because that's really fun part as well sure yeah absolutely so um obviously you love what you do i love what i do but absolutely. what gets you what gets you out of bed in the morning what what inspires you um, what inspires me, Angela, it, it's exactly that. I do love what I do, and I love working with, um, you know, great SMEs, great businesses who have lots of potential with really good leadership teams um, that really want to have an impact um, for their own businesses, their communities, the customers that they serve. Um, it's really quite great and rewarding. Um, my previous life was in big corporate. I learned a lot in that environment, 
But, you know, I have to be honest with you, Angelo, there was a lot of, you know, doing work, preparing the PowerPoint deck, and it just collected dust. Whereas when you're working with SMEs, when you're doing a workshop, and I'm working with clients in a workshop, and we're developing the strategy and the action plan, and we're seeing, you know, traction, things are happening, you know, we're getting on the phone, and, you know, scheduling meetings to have the kickoff meeting to develop that new product, that new service, and you have that momentum, when you're going to those monthly meetings, uh, review and reset meetings, and there's been progress. And we're, we're, there are issues, but we're working. And you're seeing momentum. You're seeing impact. You're seeing results. That is what I quite enjoy, um, as opposed to when I've been in my time in big corporate where we went through, developed the strategy deck, and then it kind of went around, did nowhere, go, goes nowhere. And then you're at another strategy planning cycle, and you're just doing lots of, you're just going through the motions, but you're not seeing results. You're not seeing impact. Your client, you're not, your stakeholders aren't seeing impact. So it's... It's doing what I love and seeing the momentum, the impact that it's having. Um, that's what I, I truly enjoy. Yeah, that's great. That, I mean, that's that's where I get my satisfaction. I, you know, having grown up in the agency world and, you know, accumulated into some kind of creative execution. And that was always great. But I always felt that was the part that that was so subjective that the clients could. I mean, I literally was like, I don't like blue. I don't like I was oh my God, please shoot me. Um <laughs> And so that's why I don't like, I, I mean, I like that side of the business, but I don't like that side. I, I, I like to know that plans that we're implementing is moving the needle and, and moving things on. I, I had a client actually on the show uh, not too long ago, and I've never had him on the show before, but but I developed over a course of 18 months, I developed all their strategic plans. And and he, he complimented me very highly on the show and not that I solicited it because normally when I have a client on, I don't, I don't, I don't prompt them to compliment me right and um he basically said it you know your plan is we stayed course we stayed on the plan and you know we see the results of doing you know what we spent 18 months developing and so that was to me a high compliment yeah. and 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 for them to, to not steer the course especially through covid yes because they could have i mean they you know they lost some revenue but they could have really lost some revenue and lost their way if they hadn't been doing some of the things that we're doing so uh, this has been uh, a wonderful conversation. I could just keep talking to you, but I, I know that uh, nobody's going to listen to a 10-hour podcast. So, <laughs> so, Michael, why don't you, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of different subjects. So why don't you tell the listeners your, your top three or four, a little bit five if you need them, bits of advice for them when they start thinking about developing their strategic plans. Okay, uh, great question. What are top three? Um, I think first off, it, it, it really all starts with listening. Get clear in terms of, you know, where you're at, what do you want to achieve, where do you want to go and take your business? So I think it starts there. Um, secondly, get an understanding. Talk to your customers. Get out there and listen. Talk to them and, you know, have conversations, be it face-to-face, -face, be it via the likes of Zoom, but have those conversations with some of those um, current customers, customers that you'd like to have, and really listen as to, you know, what are their challenges, what's missing, what are they seeking, what are they trying to achieve, and really, really work from there. So doing that in-depth listening is, is quite important. Um, your marketing teams, Take a look at your marketing function because, uh, you know, marketing and sales are two key catalysts to drive growth. Take a look at those two key functions, marketing, 
is your marketing team really strategic? Are they giving you that insight to be, have that listening, that understanding around your industry markets, customers, and buyers? And if you're not having that function, which is helping you do that sense making, that understanding, then you need to seriously take a look at how you can get that fixed and creating that function to operate accordingly. Similarly, take a hard look at your sales uh, teams. You know, um, who is in your sales team? What listening are they doing? I you know, and are they really uh, providing? Are they doing the show up and throw up or are they doing some sense making and road mapping for your clients? If not, there again, those are two functions you really need to take a critical look and perhaps you maybe need to get some external help on how you can make those functions operate um, better. And um, I guess last, I guess it kind of goes back to listening. Listen, innovate, grow. These are the three activities you need to be doing in your organization on a continual on a continual basis. So it's continually about reviewing, resetting to understand what works, what doesn't work. So those would be my uh, key tips in terms of developing your growth strategies. All right. Well, thank you. That that was terrific. And uh, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation and certainly the opportunity to meet you. And and really, it's like looking in the mirror. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell the listeners about how they can connect with you and your website and and certainly plug your book and and uh, I, I appreciate you sending me a copy and and uh, I got a lot of them but I read this one at least got through most of it <laughs> but uh, but it was great I mean I, I literally could track through the pages and go yep 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 so I, I I recommend it to the listeners out there so go ahead great thank you very much so for those of you who'd like to connect with me uh, my name is Michael Haynes you can find me on LinkedIn uh, my website is the name of my company which is listen innovate grow so go to listen innovate grow.com uh, there there is array of blogs there's uh, videos a whole bunch of resources to really help uh, all focus on helping SMEs in terms of the strategies and tactics to help you acquire retain and grow those business customers grow your business uh, the name of my book as well is called Listen, Innovate, Grow, a guidebook for startups and SMEs. And that's available at Amazon um, and your favorite bookstores in Kindle or in hard copy form. Uh, so listeninnovategrow.com is really the uh, catalyst where you can find all about um, the uh, content as well as the various services that I offer for SMEs. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for taking your time. I know you're in Australia, so it's morning for you. It's it's evening for me. So uh, I couldn't actually say let's have a glass of wine while we're talking because it would be breakfast for you. And yeah, it would be that. breakfast for me. But orange juice and champagne, it's always a possibility. But thank yeah. you so much, Angelo, for having me on the show. I uh, really enjoy the conversation. It's been fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, take care and enjoy your evening or morning, actually. <laughs> great. Thanks. You have a great evening, too. Thanks right. again. Bye bye. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed this show, this conversation with Michael Haynes. This has been a really wonderful conversation. I mean, uh, there was so many nuggets of, of information and insights and inspiration in this show. I, I hope you took notes. If not, you certainly can listen to it many times and take the notes while you're listening to it. This has been a, a really a strategic workshop, if you will, on things you should be doing. So again, thank you so much for joining me here today at the cafe. If you're a regular visitor to the cafe, thank you so much. If you're a subscriber, I want to thank you as well. And if you are, tell others about the show so they can benefit from the great content like you heard today. And if you're new to the show, I hope you'll become a, a subscriber and a listener. As you can tell, a lot of great stuff going on here today. And I'm into my 
third year now. I got 140 shows with a lot of great content and advice that is going on. You can learn more about me. Check me out on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to do that. You can visit theponzigroup.com. I have a lot of resources there. And certainly you can find the podcast there or on any major podcast platform you like to listen to. So please join me here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.